0: Let me read to you from Genesis chapter 28. Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached... To heaven and behold the angels of God were ascending and descending on it and behold the lord stood above him and said i am the lord the god of abraham your father and the god of jacob of the god of isaac the land on which you lie i will give to you and your offspring your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning Jacob took a stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on it. He called the name of that place Bethel, which means house of God. The name of the city was Luz at first. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. Jacob was on the run from his brother Esau. He'd used deceit to trick Esau out of his inheritance and to gain a blessing from his father Isaac, a blessing that rightfully should have gone to Esau as the firstborn. What Jacob had yet to realise was that These things that he had tried to grasp by his own means, God had already planned to give him anyway. In God's sovereign wisdom it was to be Jacob, not Esau, who would carry on the promises given to Abraham, the promise to give him the land, to make him a great nation of people and through them bring his blessing to every nation on earth. The ongoing story of Jacob is one of God's gracious discipline of Jacob and of Jacob's wrestling with God to the point where he became Israel, the father of the 12 sons who would become the 12 tribes of Israel. And this incident is the start of that journey. Now this dream is being depicted in many different ways by artists. I think we've got some images up there on the screen. Uh, normally of angels climbing the steps with God at the top. And for many, it has come to symbolise the effort a person must make in order to reach the heights of heaven and to come into the presence of God. I think the third image shows that one. Watch out though, the devils might pull you off the ladder as you're trying to climb your way up. However, this is not what Jacob saw in his dream. Contrary to the popular visualisation, the Lord was not standing above the ladder but above Jacob or it could be translated beside Jacob. He was right there, he was leaning over him, he was in Jacob's face. See, the ladder was not so that Jacob might presume to climb up into heaven to be with God but that God himself would come down to be with Jacob. When Jacob later says this is the gate of heaven, he doesn't mean this is a way for us to get access up into heaven, but this is where God comes down to be with us. God had come to Jacob in grace. Jacob, the liar and the cheat, he thought he could gain God's blessing by grasping And by cleverness and by his own power, God came to him and graciously affirmed the promises given to his father Abraham and declared Jacob to be the one through whom those promises would be passed on. And at the heart of these promises was God's ultimate plan to make his home with his people. He told the people of Israel after he had rescued them from slavery in Egypt... I will make my dwelling among you and my soul shall not abhor you and I will walk among you and will be your God and you will be my people. And in John's vision of the culmination of all history in Revelation, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Now maybe at this point Jacob hadn't fully grasped the full significance of what was happening. Because he very quickly concluded that it was something about the geographical location maybe opened up a portal into heaven. However, he understood that this wasn't just a passing encounter with God because he said, the Lord shall be my God. Ancient kings would often enter into agreements or covenants in which they would promise to protect and provide for some lesser ruler or country in return for loyal service and a tithe, 10%. But this is no mere political treaty between men. It is the God of all creation making a promise to one man, but a promise that has implications for the entire world and all of human history. So Bethel means the house of God, the place where a human being comes face to face with God as God opens the gateway of heaven, comes down and makes his home with us. When Jesus was calling his first disciples, he was introduced to a man called Nathaniel, reading from John 1. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Asked Nathaniel. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You... Will see greater things than that. Then he added, Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Nathan was coming to Jesus as a bit of a skeptic. He wouldn't believe that Jesus was the promised Messiah until he had verified it for himself. However, he realized that Jesus was the one when Jesus made it clear that he already knew him, even before he decided to come to Jesus. Nathanael had not found Jesus. Jesus had found him. This was enough for Nathanael to acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God and the King of Israel. Yet Jesus promised him, and in fact he promised everyone there because When he says you, it's plural. He promised them that they would see much more than this and then he makes this reference to Jacob's dream. However, instead of the angels ascending and descending on the ladder to Jacob, they will ascend and descend on the Son of Man, Jesus' designation for himself. Much, much more than a king or representative of God Jesus is himself the place of God's presence. In him, God makes his dwelling place with the people. Instead of pointing to a location and saying with Jacob, God is in this place, we now point to Jesus and say, God is in this place because Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. The disciples were to find in Jesus not a rabbi who would teach them how to live, but they would find their true home, God's house, because he would bring them to know his Father and they would become members of the family. Jacob was one man who, by God's grace, was one step in the fulfillment of the Lord's promises for all the world. Jesus is one man in whom all these promises find their fulfilment. In him we see heaven opened and find that God is right here with us in all his fullness of love and grace. And he says to all who trust in him, you are my people and I am your God. So it's quite a thing for a church to call themselves Bethel Christian Church, House of God. Some might say it's quite audacious to claim to be a place where heaven opens and God comes down to dwell with people. Yet the New Testament refers a number of times to the church as the household of God. Ephesians 2. You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit because the church is the body of Christ, the community of the Messiah, the ones on whom the Holy Spirit has been poured out, we can truly say God is in this place. Not because there's something special about the building but because this building contains God's people and he dwells in them and among them and with them. Paul's desire for the Corinthian church was that unbelievers might witness the gathering of God's people as we speak forth his word and in his words, falling on their face, they will worship God and declare that God is really among you. My prayer for Bethel Christian Church in Norwood is that by God's grace, we may truly be aware of the Father's presence among us. In Christ by the power of His Holy Spirit. I pray also that we will truly be a place where those who visit among us will encounter the reality that God is among us, that in Jesus, God's home is with His people.